Russell, it's Melissa, and I just want to say that you know that my alliances with Team Kit Kat is pretty strong. However, I will have to reinforce the whole idea of uh, jerky in the refrigerator is f***ing weird. But I still am okay with you. Alright, bye. Welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. And Russell, that opening. Yes. We have our thing, quote unquote, for 2017. It's apparently non-refrigerated beef jerky versus refrigerated beef jerky. And... I'm actually quite surprised at the amount of people that have supported you. Um, well, Mike, let me uh, let me go to my notes. Oh, <laughs> you have notes on refrigerated beef jerky? Yes, I do, oh actually. <laughs> Melissa, I would like to thank you for being very supportive of Team KitKat in the past. I understand that uh, you may not understand where I stand on the jerky issue, uh, however, uh, Mike, you may know this. Uh, Melissa also asked a question of me after this whole conversation began. Because, you know, M- Melissa is an extremely smart woman. Why are and... you trying to take her over to your side? <laughs> she she criticizes your Let beef jerky choices. And then it's like, oh, this smart, beautiful woman. <laughs> she is. <laughs> but she asked a very legitimate question, which is... What the F is wrong with you? No, other than that... <laughs> Which is sometimes a legitimate question. No, she asked, if you refrigerate jerky, do the fats solidify? And I've actually, uh, only in one case have I found that there, I found one particular type of jerky where I did pull it out of the refrigerator and like, oh, there's a couple of white, oh, this is the fat solidifying. So only once has that happened to answer Melissa's question, which I thought was a very intelligent question. And uh, Tim, our listener Tim, also happened to contact me. Apparently what Tim found on the internet states very specifically for best results to increase shelf life and maintain best flavor and quality refrigerate or freeze jerky. Now, Mike, if you dive into the forum conversations, and I am stunned to say that I actually found forum conversations debating this topic. Wow. The internet has everything. It is true. (laughs) So the debate inside the forums that I found are the question of whether or not this is a cover-your-butt scenario. Because if you look at any jerky that you happen to have or laying around your house right now, and I bet you have some, you will probably find on the package it will say, for best results, refrigerate after opening. Because that appears on most packages. However, in some of the forums, I found people arguing that that's just the manufacturer covering their butt in case somebody was stupid enough to eat a green moldy piece of jerky and then get sick and then sue. Uh, So this is actually a controversial issue, and I believe I am coming down on the correct side of caution. Well, that's what's good about thoughts. They're your own, and they can be wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a lot of evidence out there. And, and you know, and you asked me, I think, uh, when this came up, like, why? And I don't know why, but uh, do you remember the wonderful barbecue bacon beef jerky? Uh, I remember trying it. That was what made me fall in love with jerky. And and we, you and I went to a place uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada, when we were there on a weekend with friends. And a place called JoJo's Jerky, which is where I got some barbecue bacon jerky. And it was amazing. And for some reason, that was the first one I threw in the fridge. And that was when I, that, that was the one I, I took out of the fridge. I'm like, oh, this is so good, cold, chilled bacon. That, oh, I... Those words should never be next to each other. Come on. Chilled bacon? Come on. And by the way, I would like to recommend uh, JoJo's Jerky does have a website at jojojerkies.com. Say that three times fast. (laughs) Highly recommend anyone who likes jerky. These guys are great and they have a wide selection. Highly recommend you check them out. So at jojosjerky.com. And thank you for listening to My Science Life with (laughs) Russell Eaton. So, uh... Now that you have let me digress, thank you for humoring me and defending my very valid position. No, thank you, Melissa, for starting this <laughs> tangent, I guess. So, okay, uh, wait, what are we here to talk about, Mike? Stuff. Okay. Before we get into stuff, 
um, we lost all credibility as scribes. How so? Because on the last full podcast, not counting the Shine On one, we said that we got email when we emailed Noah Sinclair from the Lust Experience. We got emails back from Susan Sinclair, which was not right. It's Sarah Sinclair. Oh, that's right. So we were talking. We Susan was on her mind because Susan is the owner of the room, which was the escape room we were talking about earlier in that podcast. That's true. So Susan. Everything got all confused. So Sarah Sinclair, we're, we apologize. Deeply, honestly apologize. Um, Noah Sinclair, uh, you didn't even email us, so the, we have nothing to say to you right now until you reply. Yeah, still waiting on a reply. <laughs> Let's get into stuff we've actually done uh, since the last podcast. Uh, we were lucky enough to go to a preview show of Cavell, which is Annie Lesser's new piece and part of the ABC project. And she was gracious enough to sit down with us after the show and talk to us about the show and everything that's coming up. Mike and I are lucky enough to be sitting here with the lovely and talented Annie Lesser. And the reason that we wanted to talk to Annie is because we are excited that she has a new show opening soon. Uh, that show is called Covell. So, Annie, would you like to give us a little bit of information about uh, location and times yeah. and tickets and everything else? Uh, well, Covell is at Bar Covell, uh, which is in Los Files. Um, it is on Hollywood Boulevard, um, just past Vermont. So it's where Hollywood kind of verges off of uh, Prospect. And uh, I don't have the exact address by heart. I'm sorry, but you can look up Barcovell. You'll find it. And uh, tickets are kind of pricey. They're $175, but it's a three-hour show experience that includes open bar for all three hours, as well as before the show, there will be food available for you to eat, um, which includes uh, crudite, olives, almonds, a cheese platter, a charcuterie platter, and this other thing on the menu which I, I can describe kind of as bread with cheese and egg and stuff very delicious okay uh, <laughs> uh, I mean like Covell is a very distinguished wine bar that has a very awesome cheese selection I've gone there to, after seeing shows at the Greek did wine and cheese pairing always enjoy it um, they have yeah really good cheese there's like like Italian, like smoked sheep's milk cheese at one point. I, like, oh, that sounds awesome. Oh, no, it's so good. And it's the first time that I, that was the first time I had um, Mexican, like uh, Guadalupe Valley wines was when I was there and I got into it. And I've been like for the past four years planning a trip to drive down to Baja California wine country. And it just still hasn't happened yet. And I can't wait. <laughs> You're making it sound like you actually wrote this show just to get into this bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like wrote the, I, well, the way that the ABC project works, which is this show is part of is which that, uh, I, I was about to go there. Please explain the ABC project mm -hmm. because yeah. some people may not be familiar with your work. So the ABC project, um, I got the idea while I was writing a show that I was having trouble titling, uh, that became apartment eight and I was inspired by my apartment. It takes place in my apartment. And I wrote it for the space. And I was like, I just like had this idea. Suddenly I called Kate, my actress. Um, and I was like, Kate, I have this idea. And she's like, what? I'm, like, I'm going to call it apartment eight. But get this. I'm going to do a parentheses after the A and then have it be apartment eight. And then it's just going to be A and then apartment eight because I'm going to do a show for every single letter of the alphabet at a different location that I'm just inspired by the actual physical space. And then she's like, that is a brilliant. I commit to support you for this entire <laughs> endeavor. And I was like, yes, I am going to do this because I like to have impossible goals. Um, this is probably a little bit more realistic than some of my other goals. But like, yeah, I try and aim for things that are very very difficult some things that you can't even actually achieve like one of my goals in life is get a macarthur genius grant which is not something that you can actually 
have a path towards because no one knows who are the judges for them. No one knows who makes those decisions. No one knows how to impress them thus. So you are kind of just trying to be amazing every single second of the day in the hopes that Emma MacArthur genius decision maker stumbles across you and decides yes you are a genius so um that is one of my goals um one of my goals is to like lead a movement of humans the way that Václav Havel did uh like just just really impossible goals (laughs) um like yeah I'm like I want to strike chords in people that change the world for good in like these very impossible ways uh so of course i want to do 26 interactive site-specific immersive theater pieces that will make people feel feelings in a four and a half year time span uh well mike and i are both big fans of both apartment eight and the b show which was barbershop yes so tell us a little bit about covell covell um When I had done Apartment 8, I had decided I was going to do at first B on a bus. And I was like, okay, I already have decided B for bus. I'm going to start to look for venue C. And this was all the way back in June. And I had like a list of like five or six different places I kind of had been thinking about, like spaces I thought were cool that started with a C. And the first one I actually went to visit and talk to the venue manager at was Covell. And as soon as they brought me there and like they didn't know what it was for I said I'm looking for a space to do a performance art piece is basically just what I was saying and I like pay for doing an event and they took me back to the back bar and as soon as I turned around there was just a giant C on the wall and then I was like I'm not going anywhere else I have to do this my heart is set on it in this like intense set way that I am not not backing out of it and I backed out of doing a bus because I was running into so many logistical issues with my cast like having people drop out of the show suddenly all these different things happen and like bus was supposed to originally open in September and I was like fuck this and I came up with two alternate ideas of barbershop which was my main goal and the second one was a boardroom and if I didn't book a barbershop by this date I would book a boardroom and do a show in a boardroom because I had I I found like three boardrooms that would let me rent it, but the barbershop I like the the last day like that was my goal day that if I didn't find a barbershop that agreed to it by then, like at like seven p.m. that day I had a barbershop that was like yeah, and then they like even said the the rental quote was like less than I was like willing to offer too and I was like yes and it was like the perfect barbershop space and they had that back area that you guys saw when you came and I was like this is gold this is gold this I have so many like thoughts that were gonna logistically not work and this back space fixes all of it and I'm just this is the perfect space and then I I came home to write the show and my Airbnb guests were like the pregnant woman had had so much trouble walking around that they were like hanging out and I was like I can't concentrate on writing with these people around and then by the time I was like looking for somewhere else to write and I couldn't find anywhere I suddenly remembered I was supposed to go shoot an event for the Austrian Consul General and then shoot Kanye West and then I did that and then I came home and I wrote after that. Your creative process (laughs) is one of the oddest (laughs) that I think Mike and I have ever heard a description of. (laughs) <laughs> that is just awesome. I, I keep myself very, very busy and very, very stressed well, all the well, time. Well, something you mentioned in the middle of all of that, which some people also may not be aware of, is that you are a professional photographer. You... I am a professional photographer. And so your visual eye is wonderful, and we've witnessed that in your work. Uh, and Covell, judging by the location that you've described, I, oh, it sounds beautiful. like it's... That's so exactly beautiful. where I was going. It sounds like it's going to be a wonderful location for you to play in. I'm like, so I was just so happy. We went like I brought we had we had we were only given one rehearsal time where before the day of our first show where we could actually rehearse in the space and like um two thirds of my cast came with me and they all are just like, oh my God, this is so cool. But basically there is a special entrance that I've written a very theatrical entrance into um, a secondary bar that's separate from the main bar. So we won't be interacting with the normal patrons. 
walking through the entrance i will let people into the show three people at a time so they will have their own special intimate entrance into the space um the space is covered in edison bulbs so that everything is like really moody and like kind of dark the bathroom has this like intense um like construction worker light like hanging from the ceiling with all these vintage mirrors like a long vintage mirror in there there are all these vintage mirrors throughout the space there's one wall of the space that's covered in vintage wallpaper that we were like told like you need to be careful with this wall like that's the one thing that the owners really care about is don't put anything on this wall because it's these old vintage wallpaper of all these birds like perched on it and it's gorgeous and it's beautiful and there's interesting furniture in this giant metal table that's like the centerpiece of our show and it's so great to play with that metal table so much I love that metal table it's just like sturdy and loud and beautiful you mentioned that the show was pricey at yeah. 175 dollars What's the feedback been for that so far? Um, I had um, someone stop me after being at a show for another interactive theater. I just went to see the acts at Speakeasy Society. And uh, after the show, someone was like, oh, that's Annie Lesser over there. And then like, I got surrounded by a bunch of people who were like, oh, you're that Annie Lesser. And they were like, well, why can't you charge less? Why can't you charge this much less, this much less? I'm like, I chose a space that I fell in love with and I wrote it for that space. And that space has certain rental requirements and I have to spend that money. And I, I'm i probably going to lose a lot of money on the show anyway. But I want to come as close to, you know, breaking even as possible. And my choice is either to charge more for tickets or not pay my actors. And I had a person tell me, well, you just shouldn't pay your actors. And I, as a person, don't believe that. I know that they were partially joking, but they also were partially being very serious about it. And I was very much... Um, offended that someone would suggest that I wouldn't pay my actors because I believe in paying my actors. Um, I didn't get to pay my actors for getting to know you, and that was one of my biggest regrets. But that's partially because I, for a lot of the time, for getting to know you, I had a lot of performances of it where it was pay what you can, um, and people would pay like a dollar for getting to know you and some people even there were a group of people they said they wanted to come together as a group and I told them that I would do pay what you can for them as a group together and their total group of eight people spent ten dollars as a group on the show so I like I can't I couldn't afford to pay my actors at the end of that show which was heartbreaking for me um because I mean I I mean I had a really cheap space but I had eight actors and I just couldn't afford to do it and I I'm not gonna ever do a show like that again some parts of the show have a drinking aspect yeah. uh, for those people who are on the fence they're not sure if they want to spend that much money to go to a show where they're drinking uh, whether they don't drink or they're not big drinkers mm -hmm. um, what options are there for them? Well, um, there are non-alcoholic options. Um, they have um, like really nice ginger beer. They have a variety of artisanal sodas and things. And then also there's going to be water. I know it's like crazy to offer water. Um, it's for the experience of you know drinking doing the game and if if you're not if you're not gonna drink and you're not gonna have any alcohol and you're not gonna have any ginger beer I personally to put on the show have to pay for everyone who comes in to have an open bar for the show that is part of my rental agreement but if you're not gonna drink anything I can probably figure out a way for like you to get like a little extra food or something like that I don't want you to feel like I didn't get anything out of it we are going to have as I said four or so different appetizers out when you get there and you can eat those and you did a preview of this at IndieCade yeah I did and how did IndieCade the maybe 10 to 15 minute performance uh, preview that we saw go to a three-hour show 
Well, the plan was always for it to be um, in a, a closer to an hour and a half long experience of the main game with a pre-show and post-show experience. That was my plan the whole time and to have um, there to be drinks and food and have it to be a full evening experience. Um, my, I really liked having... Um, apartment eight and barbershop be very intimate experiences but i really wanted there to be something that was like a big group experience i like the idea of group catharsis i'm i went to school to be a playwright and i write for an audience and i write what i would want to see as an audience and experiences i feel like people want to have because i want to have them and i like the idea of being forced into a group and forced to feel feelings with people and be vulnerable in front of strangers and have strangers be vulnerable in front of you and just embrace each other and have that type of experience so I like also writing things though that are more performative as well uh I this show takes a lot from uh traditional vaudeville and dime museum culture uh i when i was 18 i wrote a thesis um for my high school i i opted to take i'd finished college level calculus by the time i was done with my junior year and i finished you know a majority of the science and social studies classes offered at my school so i was allowed to apply to write a thesis my senior year of high school so you were allowed to if you had a certain number of your requirements filled like you if you had at least two courses periods open in school you could spend your senior year writing a thesis or doing a senior project of some sort so I wrote a thesis on the history and contemporary significance of sketch comedy in America like starting with um, burlesque and vaudeville and discussing how those roots and how sketch comedy affects our society today and how that used to be a commentary on it and I organized a series of panel presentations at a theater um to go along with it and actually the artwork I designed for it was like uh, for the panel presentations were 20 different smiley faces that intertwined themselves together and like the one at the bottom was holding a hobo shoe and the one at the top was holding a balloon up in the into the air and my tattoo on my wrist is one of those ones and this is the first tattoo I got and I got it when I had like a Chinese exchange student staying with me and I like was like you can't tell my parents about this and she was like what you're like I've known you for a week and you're like having me hide this <laughs> shit from your parents and I'm like okay fine and then like I told I like I when I, when I finally showed my like dad he was just like I showed him later that summer he's just like what the fuck <laughs> hmm. uh, one thing you touched on uh, was your goal your 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 desire to have your audience you know feel feelings with each other and embrace each other emotionally one thing we should mention uh you know we've been talking about the price and and the space yeah it's an intimate space yeah uh, and 175 dollars for the ticket that's a three-hour show but 15 I, audience member maximum exactly that's what i wanted to go to is you're you're limiting this to 15 audience members per show yeah, limit to 15 audience members, plus there's nine actors as well as myself as an on-stage stage manager the entire time interacting with you. So this is going to be a fairly intimate emotional experience yeah, for people. Yeah, my, um, my goal with the ABC project is a lot of times is like to keep it intimate. So um, there's one show further down the line that I'm working on right now, which is like a huge, huge, huge group, 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 group experience. But, um, and the amount of time you spend in the space with the group depends on how participatory you are and the less participatory you are, you get kicked out of the show and your show experience ends for you sooner. But as soon as anyone has experience happen where they get kicked out of the show they get the last thing they have is a one-on-one -on -one experience on the way out so the way that it that would works is like you get like I what I like about that is that everyone's gonna get like this huge 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 group catharsis experience and then slowly like like there's gonna be like a hundred people but slowly they're gonna be picked off one by one for not participating with the 
group. <laughs> and like the goals just last the longest because you get to see more of the show like if you're participatory but also I guess like there's the temptation you're like I want to know what's happening to everyone else but it, as it goes on it gets more absurd and like all, but yeah it's it'll be fun it'll be fun when that one happens down the line um it sounds like the ABC project is growing and developing as you're working on this and I I really I'm looking forward to the fact that you're looking at bigger scales but still wanting the desire of the intimacy and yeah. the emotion of of the experience to hit everyone as hard as possible. No. Oh, yeah. And I want like, I, like people are like apartment eight and barbershop. There are a lot of people that were like, Oh my God. And like also getting to know you too. They're like, I've, I like, like there's a lot of things that hit people really heavily. And I, I want things to also still be kind of jovial. I have a very dark sense of humor I'm a very dark person, but I do have a sense of humor, and I like for that to shine uh, as well as also some of the more, um, like, melancholy aspects of my work, I guess. Would you say that Covell has more of a party feel? Yes. Yes, they did. The Covell is designed, I wanted to be a party feel. I wanted people to feel... Like they were having a lot of fun. I want to feel people feel very merriment heavy. I want people to feel kind of uh, itty, id, itty, like id embracing. Um, <laughs> id ish. Id ish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, impish. I want people to feel like little imps. Little imps that are. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of what he's going for. Let's give the exact dates of Covell performances. Okay. As of now, um, we have um, performances on March 12th, March 19th, March 26th, and April 2nd. Definitely check on tickets when this comes out. Hopefully there will be some tickets available. Uh, We're excited about this show. You know, Annie, your work has inspired us and moved us in the past. And I have a feeling Covell is going to do that for all of the audience members lucky enough to attend. And what are your Facebook and Instagram accounts? Okay, so our Facebook page is ABC Theater, spelled A-B-C-T-H-E-A-T-E-R. And our Instagram is at ABC underscore interactive. Our website is, I mean, to be a little self-serving, AnnieLesser.com slash ABC. And our ticketing website is ABCovell, so A-B-C-O-V-E. Ell.eventbrite.com. Annie, thank you so much for speaking with us. Have an amazing show. And I'm very, very excited about this show. I am very excited. There's like so many cabaret aspects and variety show aspects and like things that are so fun. Thank you and can't wait to see what you come up with next. Yay. So again, thank you, Annie, for your time. Uh I'm sure it was a long night for you with the rehearsals and the show and everything like that. So it, it means a lot for you to sit down with us after all of that and talk about the show. Now, Russell, what did you think? Well, it's interesting because, Mike, you and I went to sort of the test of this at IndieCade. Right. So we had seen a short version. Uh, what was it, like 15 or 20 minutes probably? Exactly. And then we that was the basis uh, for the largest section of the rehearsal, the, the show that we saw. And um, it's hard to describe, but it is definitely an immersive piece. Uh, as Annie said in the interview, a limited number of audience members. Uh, you're immersed with sort of a carnival vaudevillian sort of aspect of characters that that surround you and you interact with them one-on-one but there is there is a game and and you know she has stated from the very beginning that there was a drinking game element to this um and if you don't drink alcohol you can certainly drink something else she explains you know in the interview the the cost of the ticket etc but the the environment that you're in uh surrounded by these characters and the drinking game that takes place becomes this weird metaphor for relationships and the journey through life. And I I don't want to give too much away, but it's weird to me and very clever that you can touch on so many subjects about love, relationships, family, all of that 
in the context of this weird sort of let's all drink to this or drink to that kind of drinking game. Well, here's the thing. When we first heard about this show, after we saw Indicate and she was telling us a little bit about it, I think that we and and honestly, the majority of people that heard about it said, I'm paying almost $200 for a drinking game. And I know I was definitely in that mindset, but actually seeing what it is, smash that to pieces. And I, I kind of feel bad because that's how this came out to a lot of people. And it's so, so much more than that. It's not just a drinking game. There's vaudeville in it. There's one-on-one scenes. There's there, magic. There, yeah, there's magic. It, you know, like everything about this show, I've seen what we saw, and granted, we only saw a, a sliver of it because the entire show is three hours. And that includes a 45-minute pre-show, an hour and a half of the main show, and then a 45 minutes cool down slash end of the show. And everything that she's putting into this show it's worth the price tag, you know, like at this point I'm trying to scrounge up empty cans and looking and <laughs> cushions for change so I can try to go, even though I don't drink because that's how good it was. And it, it, it's, it's just a bum out that for so long people considered this and, and myself included, I'm totally guilty of it, but we had that mindset of, Oh, it's an immersive drinking game with an open bar. And it's, it is, but it's not. Honestly, I reached out uh, when the tickets first started coming up and, and I asked that question of like, wait a minute, is there something here for me? Even though I had seen the preview at Indicade, that was before the uh, the rehearsal that we went to. So I actually reached out with the same mindset. I'm so glad you said that because what I said a couple minutes ago about there's so much more to this subject wise and, and content wise, that's what surprised me is because I, I had the, the drinking game idea in my head. And then when you find, when you saw the expanded version, they really do touch on some really heartfelt, really deep, and sometimes incredibly awkward subject matter. Right, and, and you are witnessing a show at yes, points. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's not, you're not just playing games. You'll play a game and then something will happen. And you will watch that happen and then you'll play another game. And then after that game, something will happen. And the way it varies and goes from thing to thing is so good and seamless. It, it reminds me of watching those old variety shows from like the fifties or sixties. No, that makes sense. And I, and in her interview, when she started talking about the, the immersiveness of the location itself, which is part of the ticket price, um, the open bar aspect of it, if you're interested in that, the length of the pre-show and after-show sequences. Uh, this this is a full evening for what you're paying for, and I think it's a really interesting journey. I really do emotionally. Uh, I I was caught off guard by by a couple of really honest moments by other patrons because you are you are asked, and I'm you know I, I'm not saying that the show puts you on the spot per se, but you're asked to be honest about very personal subject matter. At times. And you can choose to do that or you can choose to hide something. But the fact that the emotions flow the way they did and, you know, between patron and cast member, that that is what immersive is all about as far as I'm concerned. And this show definitely achieves that. Uh, and there's so many of those types of relationships within the show. Yes. Yeah, you know, there's uh, about 10 actors or so. Mm -hmm. And you have a relationship with each one of them. And you certainly see the relationships develop between the cast members. Yep. There's, there's, <laughs> yeah, but I, I really don't want to go into much because there's some delicious stuff going on there. <laughs> and he's not talking about the food. Oh, although I'm sure the food will be delicious. <laughs> cricket, cricket. <laughs> Mike is rolling his eyes at me again. Kubel opens this weekend officially. They've done a couple of preview performances. We really enjoyed the rehearsal we attended and uh, Annie's description in the interview of the space. It sounds like this is is looking to be something pretty special. Yeah, so if you want to check it out, uh, head to AnnieLesser.com slash ABC on the web. On Facebook, look for ABC Theater. And on Instagram, ABC underscore interactive. The next thing we did, and this goes back to last week for our Shine On interview, we saw a preview of To The Wild, but you actually went back and saw the full show. Yes, I did. 
So what did you think? And what were some of the differences between what we saw and what you saw as an official opening? Uh, Mike, the show that I saw, the flow for it was much smoother. Uh, it was less clunky. So obviously that comes through just a rehearsal period. And um, the emotional impact of the show had increased a lot. And there's one thing I want to point to in a, in a couple minutes that, that I'll, I'll, I'll get to and, and the reasoning why. Something about Shine On. And, you know, you and I have talked about the Devoted series from last year. Like, Shine On Collective is a company to watch. It's like, they're really, really interesting work. And I got to compliment them on something about this show. And I'm going to use, I'm going to use a word that actually somebody else used last night. Somebody said, I'm really impressed at how brave Shine On is. And as soon as somebody said that, I was like, wow, you were really right. Because they went from a really dark innovative, creative, extremely experimental show to this, which is based on Irish folklore and fairy tales to some degree. And you set it in a pub setting and you get pulled into a back area. You get pulled into a separate area of the pub by certain characters and you get to our, our you get to be immersed in the story of a man who has lost a woman and where she may be now. But the flights of fancy, the weird, you get pulled off to the side and people tell you these folklore tales. You get these little magical little stories and you get challenged to buy into them and believe that they are real. All of those moments for me, Mike, the second time worked better. Awesome. So the flow of the show is a little clunky by nature because what happens is there's a, there's a main area where everyone eventually gets pulled back to several times. And I think going in and out of that area several times, the transitions were a little clunky, but that's partially the space. It's, it's just something that I noticed about the show is there were a couple of times when, oh, I'm supposed to be, oh, wait, no, I'm not turning left, I'm turning right. Okay, I'm veering over here. And it, just the geography sometimes got mi mixed up for me. But for me, Mike, the emotion of the show was stronger in the actual performance and the rehearsal we, that we, we saw, which is understandable being that we saw a rehearsal. The one thing I want to compliment Shine On Collective for is the thing that didn't land for me, and I don't know how you felt about it, but in the rehearsal, I felt that the ending didn't play as a conclusion. Right. It, it was so open-ended that I, I, I didn't know what to walk away with. What happened at the performance I saw was the actor did almost the same ending, but what happened at the very, very end was that actor, as he is coming to terms with the relationship that you're told the story of, there is this woman that he has lost. As he's dealing with that, he turned to the patrons, he turned to the audience, and he sort of challenged a couple of us with, have you ever felt this? Have you ever gone through this? Have you ever had someone do this to you? That's a good addition. And I'm and I, I'm trying I'm trying to speak kind of in a generality, so I don't want to spoil anything. But what happened is, a couple people felt very awkward, and you had the giggly moment where someone kind of broke the show a little bit and like was laughing, and there's some undertone tittering going on. But the actor focused on the people who were being honest in the moment we as patrons started answering his questions. Some people chose just to be quiet and watch it. But like, has anyone ever done this to you? Yes, they have. How did you deal with it? So as an immersive piece, it suddenly shifted to, no, seriously, how do we learn from our life experience? And the show provided, at the very end, you got this glimpse of a conversation of, we all have shared experiences and we all get through them, but how we get through them is different for everyone. How can we learn from each other? It it was a weird addition to me. It, it hit me very odd, but it was so much more emotional than the rehearsal that we saw. And it was so effective and so sad. So compliments to Shine on Collective for, for taking that wonderful moment and just letting it play out. Because I think it was the, the, the thing that we were missing the most from the rehearsal. That's awesome. Were you able to get different scenes than what you got at the rehearsal? I got several of the same scenes, but they had been made longer. Oh, okay. And more intimate and more interactive. So that happened. And then at the very end, I got a, an additional sequence 
that I hadn't gotten before. I knew it was, uh, I knew somebody else had gotten that sequence. And the thing that I was able to do is I was given something at the very beginning of the show to wear. And I was told something to do uh, during the course of the show. And I, I tried it once, you know, like with, with, you know, if they're encouraging interaction, it's like, it's that weird fine line of what do you say to people? (laughs) You have to follow the rules of the show. But I was told, like, hey, um, if you have the opportunity, ask this question. And I asked it, uh, uh, the question of one person, and they ignored me. Kind of smiled and walked away. And then in that final sequence, Mike, I asked the question again. And it opened up several lines of dialogue where the actress turned to me and went, oh, wait. Okay, if you're asking this, I'm going to share this with you. And it, it, it opened another story. That's so cool. And that's what this show is, is this show is stories. It's like, even though you have the overall arc of the, the man wondering what happened to this relationship with this woman and why she did what she did, in the end, you get all of these little individual stories and glimpses into a world that may exist beside our own. And did you buy the VIP ticket? Yes, I did. And so the VIP ticket comes with a drink and then an additional one-on-one scene that we did not get at the rehearsal. So how, yes. how was that? Uh, it was very interesting. Um, when you're in the separate section of the pub where the show takes place, I was suddenly approached by a character that pulled me outside. And I met one of the characters who is a integral part of the show outside. And she set up the world for me. She asked me what I believed, what I didn't believe, what I had heard, what I hadn't heard. Uh, relating to Irish folklore. And so she let me know kind of what what world I was entering and that there are things that I should choose to believe in in this world. So you get a glimpse into a community, but the community has its own set of rules that they live by and interact with. And part of the fun of this show is seeing those rules play out and seeing some of them broken or challenged. So, and I'm, I'm speaking again, I'm speaking vague because I don't want to get, I don't want to say specifically what she told me to be on the lookout for, but she set the world up for me. That uh. That's what that extra scene was, was it was like, so now if you don't get that sequence really quickly at the beginning of the show, they do set the world up in a way that you, you understand what characters you're dealing with. So other characters kind of take on that role if you don't have that extra scene, but, uh, the extra scene was fun and, uh, and I did get a uh, a drink ticket with that. Awesome. There's a pale ale, by the way. If you... I don't care. Uh, okay. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Unless you're going to go on a tangent about how that should be at room temperature or something. No. Uh, no. Since everything that should be at room temperature you put in the fridge, apparently. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do you drink warm soda, too? So No. I'm not a heathen. Cold jerky and warm soda. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a country song. <laughs> So it seems that this show is sold out, but keep an eye on their website and their Facebook. You can find them on the web at shineoncollective.com, on Facebook, The Shine On Collective, Instagram, Shine On Collective, and on Twitter, Shine On Shows. Now, Russell. Yes, Mike? You've got mail. Really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Box of Dread arrived. Wait, Mike. I wonder if people realize what that is. So for those that don't know, that was what AOL was when you signed on and you had email. If you don't know what AOL is, that's America Online. And if you don't know what America Online is, we're old. <laughs> for once you're dating yourself. You usually try to date me. <laughs> I'm never trying to date you. <laughs> Think, Russell. <laughs> Think before you speak. Now people have that soundbite and can do whatever they want with it. <laughs> no, don't do anything with that soundbite. <laughs> Morgan. So, um, so yes, Box of Dread arrived in the mail. Good old-fashioned <laughs> post office. <laughs> Where else would it arrive from? <laughs> Jesus, man. I swear, it's, it feels like we've both been drinking and we haven't been. <laughs> Room temperature pale ale. <laughs> so, and the theme for this Box of Dread, Mike... Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Damn straight. Yeah. So, and with a couple of other things thrown in, a couple of cute things. Yeah. So first you open it, you see this somewhat 
bigger box than everything else, and it's a Dorbs figure. And I got Peter Venkman, which is Bill Murray. So how awesome is that? Who did you get? I also got Peter Venkman. Nice. Yeah, it's very cool. The world needs more Bill Murrays <laughs> in real life or in toy form. We also got my Moji. Who'd you get in that? So uh, I haven't opened mine yet. Oh, I got Stay Puffed. Oh, cool. Excellent. Yeah. I, I actually, uh, I I forgot it in my car. I was going to bring in the box for this reason. And you're going <laughs> to open it live? Yeah. <laughs> actually, if you want, go. So, uh, we can edit. So, or you can edit. All right. And I can just do the, like the Jeopardy theme. Oh, could you add the Jeopardy theme right here? Okay, Russell, you're finally back. I hope you enjoyed the music. And he is opening the Mymoji pack right now. Wait, 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 huh? Wait, I'm having a problem opening the Mymoji. You're trying to open it like George Costanza opens a condom, like a bag of chips. <laughs> You got a ghost. I got a ghost. A frowning ghost. He does not look happy. <laughs> Ghosts, why would ghosts be happy? They're dead. But they get to hang out with whoever they want. That's not proven. <laughs> That's what I choose to believe. So yeah, I have a ghost, my moji. Yeah. And the, there's, the, the, but this, Mike, Mike, this was the thing that I loved. The Friday the 13th. Funko pencil. Yes. It has a little Jason on top. That looks like the Funko Pop Jason. Yes. I was going to say, I, I have to bring this into my office because I have the Funko Pop Jason oh, sitting perfect. on my desk. <laughs> uh, and then the, the last thing we got in this box is something really, really cool. Uh, it's a DVD of a horror movie called Bear, but it's signed by the producer, Freddie Wong. I was not familiar with this movie, but I always like being exposed to new stuff. So, hey. Yeah, exactly. It's a DVD to watch and That's, it's signed. Yes. Very cool. So overall, a pretty good box of dread. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm stoked on on my Bill Murray that can just you know play with the other toys I have, and of course the Jason pen. That's very cool. You know, when you go to work, you can write with Jason, and people know to stay away from you. I mean, people already stay away from me because I'm that weirdo that wears all black. But you know, whatever. <laughs> For more information on the box of dread, check them out at boxofdread.com, on Facebook, Box of Dread, and on Instagram and also Twitter, Box of Dread. So that's all the stuff we've done as far as reviews. Now, here's something that just came on our radar this last week. We're not really sure where it's going or what it is, but you can arrange a kidnapping for yourself. Maybe. We're not sure yet. Well, I mean, that's what I'm... That's what they claim. I'm going off what the website says. Yeah, that's what they claim. So... If you are into that, and I know all the extreme haunters listening to this right now are like, sign me up. What's the website? Well, the website is kidnapsolutions.com. Couldn't find a Facebook, a Twitter, or Instagram. Um, and the website, you look at it and you might laugh uh, because it doesn't really look high tech. Um, it's almost tongue in cheek. Yeah. So that's why we're not sure. Um, but here, here's the thing. No matter what this is, the customer service is fantastic. Yes. Like, they got back to to me right away, and I think you said the same thing. Yeah, it was, it was very quick that I got the response. So, uh, go to the website. There's an email there for Ray. Email Ray and try to set up an appointment. Uh, we set we try to set something up. Um, we don't have any dates yet, uh, but they know we're interested. And... Yeah. And actually, a little bit more information for me. I, th I think, uh, I don't know if he said anything like this to you, Mike, but he said they were still in the process of setting up their West Coast operations. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So that I just said, please keep me informed. And he said, absolutely will do. Well, fingers crossed we get kidnapped. Uh, yeah. Wait, that's saying. Wow. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> so yeah, kidnapsolutions.com. Check it out and email Ray. Now... This weekend, it's, oh, it's going to be so much fun. This is something that we've looked forward to for a year since the last one happened because it's so much fun. This weekend, Spook Show number five at Halloween Clubs in La Mirada. Do you remember last year we had made a plan, I think, to record a podcast later in that afternoon? Mm -hmm. We ended up spending so much time and running into so many people that we knew and having so much fun at Spook Show that we stayed hours longer than we were planning on to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was really fun last year. It seems that more and more people are going and signing up to be vendors. I, I, I took a quick look at, at the vendor list and, mm -hmm. you know, like... 
Heretic is going to be there for the first time. Scarole and Midsummer Scream will be there. The two the two conventions uh, happening this summer around LA. There's so many people. There's so many different varieties of of people there as well. There's people that create art. There's people that create haunts. There's people that create special effects. It's everything is there. And on top of that, there's a sale at Halloween clubs. So if you think you want a costume for this Halloween. This might be the best price you'll get. Yeah, I think you hit on the key thing for me. I, I said this when we brought it up after the date was first announced. The variety of all of the stuff that is in that parking lot, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so many different types of vendors. And I, I think they are more successful at that than almost anything else throughout the year as far as getting a the, the widest variety possible of people coming to this event and showing their wares. Yeah, a couple a couple of years ago, didn't you get like the, uh, uh, like there was a taxidermy person there that you got something oh, yeah. from. Yeah, it was a sod in half sheep skull. <laughs> Excellent. What Just what you needed, Mike. I know. <laughs> the good thing about this is they seem to be trying to keep it diversified every year because I think a couple years ago I was saying how it seemed like it was mostly art people and selling people selling bows with skulls on it yes and then every year since then there's been such a variety I mean last year mobile escape room was there yeah that that was the first time we really encountered them yeah we we did that and had a blast yeah so if you're planning to go the tickets are free you're going to need that extra money from buy- that you don't have to spend buying tickets to spend on the vendors there in the Halloween clubs because there's so much good creepy horror stuff there. And we do recommend that you do go online and get a ticket in advance. Well, you have to, I believe. Oh, okay. I didn't know that you had to, but but yeah, that it helps the uh, the line process when you first get there, definitely. Yeah. So go to halloweenclub.com slash spook show. Uh, and there will be a ticket link and there'll also be a ticket link in the, in the show notes. And if you see us say hello, um, other things going on this weekend, tortured souls, uh, at zombie Joe's, which we spoke about, uh, on a couple podcasts ago. And also it's the final weekend of to the wild, which we just spoke about. But one thing that's happening that is not horror or immersive theater at all, but it's something that we have grown to love. There's a demolition derby at the Irwindale Speedway. No, don't laugh because you know this is no, no, amazing. No, no. I, I'm laughing because I, I am the last person in in the world I would ever think would end up at a demolition derby. And you did this to me last year. And I went along with you just for like, oh, what the hell? It could be fun. Wait, it could be fun? You get to watch cars demolish each other. How it is that not fun? so awesome yeah it was so cool last year it's amazing and it's so it's happening the same the night of spook show so this saturday night and i just got an email saying that they add they're adding fireworks at the end of the show so not only do you get to see cars crashing into everything you get to see fireworks too i'm so excited i can't wait this is the american dream it is And then next weekend, uh, it's another full weekend, uh, Zombie Joe's Tortured Souls is happening. Uh, The final night of Heretic Vanish is happening. Uh, The final in the trilogy of Have You Seen Jake is going on. And also the great horror movie night is is happening as well. Uh, All the links to websites and tickets and everything will be in the show notes. I am so curious uh, because I know the great horror movie nights have been going on. Uh, I've gone to one. Have you ever gone to one, Mike? I haven't, actually. Uh, A friend of mine called and said, you know what? I'm feeling down. Would you go see The Exorcist with me? That's that's a a true friend. (laughs) I just thought, wow, (laughs) that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, so I uh, the uh, great horror movie night, The Exorcist, outdoors at uh, Griffith Park, that one was. (laughs) You sounded like Yoda right there. I I really... Mm, Griffith part that was. Mm. <laughs> so, but I am so curious because remember when we had storms recently? Yeah, they were supposed to have a movie night on one of those nights, and it 
rained like that was the worst night i believe i haven't heard from anyone if it got canceled or if anyone tried to go i haven't heard anyone who tried to go that night but i would be really curious to see what happened so if you went to the great horror movie night when it rained email russell at russell at <laughs> myhauntlife.com with two I, s's and two l's no no the idea of something like water pouring down on you as you're watching carrie having blood pour down on her there was something visually that that worked for me with the that. great horror immersive movie night yes so all right so now we have some exciting things that are coming up. Uh, we spoke about the Speakeasy Society and the key and the axe. Well, not only is Chapter 3 happening in April, on April 7th and 8th, they have dates for remounting of Chapter 1, the key, and Chapter 2, the axe. So if you missed out on any of the Kansas collection put on by the Speakeasy Society, now is your chance to go. Chapter 1, The Key, will be redone on March 24th and 25th. And Chapter 2, The Axe, is on March 31st and April 1st. We would like to mention that tickets went on sale for the Kansas Collection Chapter 3, titled The Door, this past week. They sold out in a matter of a few hours. Hopefully, Speakeasy Society will be remounting Chapter 3, The Door, like they did with Chapters 1 and Chapter 2. Uh, definitely keep uh, an eye on their social media and their website uh, for that possibility. For more information on the Speakeasy Society, check them out on the web at speakeasysociety.com, on Facebook, the Speakeasy SOC, on Instagram and Twitter, the Speakeasy SOC. And also, Midsummer Scream tickets are on sale. Cool. It, it, it's crazy how fast things move because it seems like just yesterday we were at Midsummer Scream yeah. and you were dreading editing the, the interviews we did <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> but tickets are on sale. Uh, if you signed up for their email list, you will get first crack and they have some deep discounts going on. So yeah, I highly recommend Midsummer Scream. The, uh, the, the, I think the cool thing about last year uh, with Midsummer Scream is that was a convention that, you know, we were talking about the variety of spook show. We played some awesome mini escape games at that convention oh, last year. Oh, hell yeah. And there were really, really cool live performances at that show as well. Uh, several things that we attended were just awesome. Zombie Joe's had a great show there. Um, uh, Screenshot Productions had a, had an amazingly emotional sequence in their show. Uh, yeah, like there's there's cool stuff to be had there. So check them out on the web at midsummerscream.org, on Facebook, Midsummer Scream, and on Twitter and Instagram, Midsummer Scream. Something else that just came up on our radar is Firelight. Now, I remember hearing about this in December, but I never was able to go. Um, but they are doing something in March, starting March 15th, and it's going to happen on the 15th, 16th, 18th, 22nd, 23rd, and 25th. It's an original immersive work touching on love and loss. It awakens the senses and takes the audience on a journey into multiple rooms. 16 audience members enter every 20 minutes and travel together through time and space, each room becoming a different reality. I'm in. Absolutely, I'm in. For more information go to sfstheater.com. And that's theater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E.com. And Mike, there's something else that just got on our radar. It's called The Nest Show. This sounds like a very interesting, immersive experience. And let me just read the description that they provided. You have received the last will and testament of a mysterious woman named Josie. Although you've never met, she has inexplicably entrusted her storage room to you. Filled with decades of collected memories and cryptic secrets, remnants of her entire life are all here in one place, left for you to discover. As a young girl growing up in the 1960s, Josie was gifted a tape recorder for her 12th birthday and began documenting every part of her life. But in her old age, she has become almost unrecognizable, warped by the tragic events of her past— the Nest is an immersive experience in Los Angeles that gives you the freedom to investigate her story. Equipped with a flashlight, search through personal effects, explore your surroundings, and listen to audio cassettes to piece together the dramatic narrative of Josie's life. Now, they are running the Nest show through April, and the exact dates, I just want to read these off real quick. The exact dates for the Nest show are April 1st, 2nd, April 7th, 8th, and 9th. 
April 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th, and April 20th, 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Uh, It sounds like this is one to watch. Uh, If you want more information, the company is actually called Scout Expedition Company. Their website uh, for The Nest Show, if you want more information specifically about that, is thenestshow.com. Their actual company website is scoutexpedition.co. Now you can look for them on Facebook at Scout Expedition CO, on Instagram at Scout Expedition CO, and on Twitter at Scout Expedition. Definitely want to check this out. And there's even more. Something, Mike, that I'm really excited about is uh, Crossroad Escape Games, which is a personal favorite of ours. They do the Hex Room Escape Room and the Funhouse Escape Room. They have announced a St. Patrick's Escape Weekend for this year. This sounds really cool. Uh, There's uh, specials going on for their escape rooms and... They're also going to have in their parking lot Mobile Escape Room LA and the Escape Bus. Mike and I have done both of those, and they're tons of fun. Really worth checking out. And to have all of this in one place for the weekend, like this is going to be awesome. And if you're looking for a chance to try out Mobile Escape Room and Escape Bus, this might be a chance to do them both. And we highly recommend Crossroads. We've been recommending them for for so long now. They're great. So really excited about that. It's St. Patrick's Escape Weekend. And for more information about Crossroads Escape Games, go to crossroadsescapegames.com. And as always, all of these dates and all of these events will be on the My Haunt Life calendar at myhauntlife.com slash calendar. And we have one final message. We have a special guest live via satellite. And that is Noah Nelson from No Proscenium. Hey, Mike. Hey, Russell. Hey, entire My Haunt Life family. Noah Nelson from No Proscenium here. Hey, Noah. You know that Mike and I are big fans of the Fringe Festival here in Hollywood every June. Uh, We know that you've got a workshop coming up that is for creators of material. So tell us a little bit more about what's happening. First, I want to thank the guys for giving me a chance to talk about this on the show. I'll make this as fast as I can. Here's what's up. We've managed to con, I mean convince, the Hollywood Fringe Festival into establishing an immersive theater category at the Fringe this year. Now, what that means is that if we get four different shows, four different companies uh, registering as immersive theater, they're going to put a category in the official paper Fringe catalog this year, which is really going to help raise the profile for this work. Everyone who's been going for the past couple of years knows there has been immersive theater in the fringe. Some of the most important work in town has come out of the fringe. Some really great companies, Shine on Collective, Annie Lesser, Capital W, all of them got their start at the fringe. But it's been word of mouth. It's been the efforts of the My Haunt Life guys, myself, and listeners like you in helping getting word out. By being in the catalog, it's going to make it easier to find for you, and it's going to make it easier for people who haven't discovered immersive theater yet to discover it. So this is a really big opportunity. So to help do this right, I've teamed up with Matthew Quinn, who's one of the more prolific producers at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Uh, He's controlled a few venues over the years. He's also the guy behind the Encore Awards and also the Encore presentations of the Best of Fringe. So that's a pretty big deal. We're having an unofficial town hall at Studio C in Hollywood, on Theater Row, March 23rd at 8 p.m. This is geared for both immersive theater creators and fringe producers who are looking to create immersive theater at the Hollywood Fringe this year. The Fringe is a little different from other festivals that you might know. Matthew's got a lot of experience there, so he's going to help immersive creators navigate that. I, of course, um... Go to a lot of immersive theater. I talk to a lot of immersive theater producers, and I know a lot of the challenges that immersive theater has when it comes to generating interest, and also when people kind of misapply the label to things that isn't really immersive. So we're going to talk about that too. This is a free town hall. You need to go onto the Hollywood Fringe website, look up immersive town hall, and RSVP for it. Here's the big caveat. I ask that folks go who are serious about making stuff. This, this, there'll be future mixers in the future 
I guess future mixers are in the future. Um, and that's where you're going to be able to like meet your favorite creators and all that sort of stuff. This one is a wonk fest. We're really going to be on point about business. So if you're looking to, to make theater at the fringe this year, that's immersive. If you're a fringe producer who wants to figure out whether or not your piece qualifies as being immersive, this is for you. If you have friends who are thinking about doing it and they want to, and they want to get involved, this is for them. So spread the word. It'll be fantastic. This took longer than I thought. Thank you guys. And I hope everyone has an amazing weekend or week if you're listening to this in the middle of it. Thank you very much, Noah, for letting us know about that. It's on Thursday, March 23rd. And Mike, you know that uh, a couple months ago, I went to a workshop on producing for Fringe Festivals. Yes. And that was Matthew Quinn was the person who was behind that and was uh, um, speaking at that event as well. Oh, awesome. He is extremely knowledgeable. And as Noah said, this really isn't this is not a, a fan gathering. This is not a, this is a workshop for people interested in producing with an eye toward fringe because it is a slightly different market, but uh, between Noah and Matthew, uh, there's a wealth of information there. I know. So it should be very interesting for creators. So if that interests you, you can find out more information through no proscenium or through the fringe festival calendar. Yeah. And we'll have a link to all of that in the show notes. So that's, pretty much it i believe so no, but it's been a fun couple of weeks yes it has and and leading up into mid-march uh there's so much going on yeah how do you keep track of it all well there's a calendar online at this website called my haunt life wow that sounds great <laughs> is it at my slash calendar yes it is actually mike well sweet i think i will go check it out and use it <laughs> and i think everyone else should go check it out and use it as well um, but seriously, we joke, but go check it out because it's has all these events and you can, people are planning vacations based on it. So it's just, I, that's like a, such a huge compliment. It's like, it's amazing. To yeah. Me. Actually, we, we know people who have done that. Yeah. <laughs> and Mike also, uh, in, in relation to the calendar and upcoming events, seriously, if you're listening to this and we have, uh, sent you to something or you've become curious about something, you've gone to something that we might not be aware of, let us know. And Mike, we happen to have a way that they can let us know, right? Sure do. We have the LA haunt line. Uh, <laughs> it never gets old. And in addition to everything that you mentioned, if you want to be like Melissa and tell Russell he's crazy for putting his beef jerky in the fridge, you can do that. Or tell us how Snickers are awesome. Stuff like that. It doesn't just have to be about events we talk about. It can be about anything. Do you need life advice? Leave a message. Russell will call you back and give you advice. No, Russell turns to Mike for life <laughs> advice. That's, that's clear. That should be a contest. Have your problems solved by Russell. Oh my no. God, no, that's no, going to no, be no, amazing. No. Oh, I'm running with that. I, I think we each need to offer a solution, like pick the winner solution. Yeah, but you know my solution. <laughs> Screw them. <laughs> okay. Anyways, the haunt line is 515-HAUNT-LA. And for those who are a little like me... I'm so leaving that in. I know. <laughs> for those who are a little... Oh my God, not again. Ugh. For those who can't spell, it's 515-428-6852. And if that doesn't work, if you don't like calling people, you can also send us an email at mike at myhauntlife.com or russell at myhauntlife.com with two S's and two L's. Or you can hit us up on Facebook, find us at My Haunt Life, or Twitter and Instagram at My Haunt Life. And also, if you get a chance and you're listening to this podcast through iTunes, we'd really super appreciate if you went and left us a review and hopefully a five-star rating if you like us. So yeah, that's it. That's it? That's it. Okay, that's it. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. Thanks for listening. See ya. It's been an uphill... Oh, no. It's been an uphill battle? Yeah. <laughs> That's life, Mike. Yeah. That's life. Yeah.